Are you interested in making your own podcast? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. You guys can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And in fact, I'm using Anchor and I love it. If you're interested, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the podcast. Today is Friday the 13th. I'm not even kidding. Today is Friday, March 13th. This is episode number 897. And today I am kicking off my Faith That Speaks conference tonight, actually, in Thousand Oaks, California. And I'm looking forward to seeing some of my Southern California friends there. So I hope you guys will come out. Our fall conference season begins in September. So if you live in Indiana, Oregon, Washington, D.C., or in my neck of the woods uh, here in Vancouver, Washington. You can check out the dates of where I'll be at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash events. All right, you guys know that is Meet My Friend Friday, and I've got a special guest on the show with me today. Nate Wilkins is here, and he is a former Navy SEAL who just ran for Congress. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, for those of you who are looking at your calendar and you're in Southern California and you're going, should I come out tonight to hear Faith That Speaks? You absolutely should. And in fact, uh, I'm gonna find out where Nate is because I want him and Lindsay to come. (laughs) You guys, we are living in incredible times. We talk about this all the time here at the podcast about the need for more uh, men and women of faith to get off the bench and onto the battlefield. And I am really, really honored and thrilled today because I've got a guest on who's never been here before. Uh, Nate Wilkins has been uh, really on the front lines. He's a retired uh, Navy SEAL, a former congressional fellow uh, in the House of Representatives. And he's also a devoted follower of Christ. He's been married to his gorgeous wife, Lindsay, since 2014. They have two kids. And uh, we're going to talk today a little bit about where he came from and how he got off the bench and onto the battlefield. Nate, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Heidi. Thank you very much for having me. I am thrilled that you're here. Uh, I don't think I've ever had a congressional candidate on the show before. And uh, in just the few minutes I've spent talking to you before we went on the air, I'm thinking, I, we need to do this more because I think your story is going to encourage a lot of people. So uh, let's go ahead and just start kind of back at the beginning, kind of where you're from and a little bit of your history and what motivated you to do such a bold thing as to run for Congress. And uh, I want to find out, sure, I know there's a lot of people listening. What district are you in in California? So currently I am in, uh, well, I ran for District 50, which would have been mm-hmm. the Daryl Issa, uh, Carl DeMaio, and Mark Ampenjar. Big fight. And I was, you know, kind of in the in the bottom um, yep. fighting it out as well. Uh, right. So currently the uh, the votes are, are much more in Daryl Issa's favor. Um, but, uh, they're you know, on April 2nd, they'll have the final uh, vote count. Now, for people who aren't familiar with uh, the 50th district, where are you in particular? People are going, where is that in California? Where is it? So that is East San Diego County. And uh, that uh, ranges from Temecula and Riverside County. And then it um, cuts off of the border between Riverside and San Diego. It goes as far east as the Imperial County near the Sultan Sea. And then uh, next, um, the south border would be the, the Highway 8. 
So this is a huge this is a huge demographic, a huge area that you're uh, looking that you're looking to represent. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of late nights driving around planting signs. <laughs> it was yeah. a big, big area to drive. <laughs> That's right. And when uh, when you decided, well, let's go back. I want to go back to the beginning because I think this is so fascinating. I love a story of somebody getting off the bench and that's definitely you. So uh, why don't you go ahead and tell listeners sort of where you came from and the, you know, the brief history of how you've grown and decided to get off the bench and onto the battlefield. Uh, so I grew up in the Central Valley of California, very poor area. Uh, a lot of people don't know California is not full of beaches. It's also a, a huge agriculture producer. And so I grew up uh, in the Orange Country farming, uh, as well as the Sierra Nevadas. So I split my childhood in half between Sierra Nevadas and half between Central Valley. Um, and so I grew up uh, there. I graduated from Yosemite High School, and um, I went to college in uh, uh, Reedley, which um, is down, that's exactly where I was born. Okay. So uh, um, after about uh, three years and, and not much movement, I decided to enlist in the Navy and pursue the SEAL contract. Uh, I um, It took me about five years uh, to finally make it as a SEAL. I broke my legs uh, the first um, round, uh, two classes. and then All the I, moms who are listening to this are like, nope, check that <laughs> off the list. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit of wear and tear on your body. <laughs> Well, it's, you know what? Not everybody can be a Navy SEAL. I mean, that's that's an impressive pedigree all by itself. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a little bit of stubbornness you got to have. Yeah, um, not gonna and quit. to run for Congress and yeah. to be a and to be a parent in the culture right now, it requires stubbornness. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so I uh, I had I got dropped from the SEAL program about a year into um, my enlistment, and uh, I uh, um, I had to go to the Naval fleet. And I was um, a computer guy. Uh, basically I got, I learned all my high tech skills and in, in the Navy got a ton of education. And then I was um, allowed to come back to seal training and, and finally made it through after five years. Uh, and well, five I think classes. it's important to say you, when you say you got dropped from the seals, it was a medic, it was medical reasons, right? It wasn't yeah, like that, hey, look at that guy's doing marijuana, drop him. Like <laughs> <laughs> they had, they, they had a reason, right? Yes, they had a, they had certainly had a reason. Uh, broken legs were that reason. That'll do it. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, so, you know, it took about five years and and then I, I spent about eight, eight to about nine years in the teams and, and I was medically retired um, in uh, the end of 2018. So that, that kind of brought in a, a crisis and, and, you know, you know, wars, my identity kind of wrapped up and, and as yeah. a Christian, my identity and uh, crisis wrapped there up there um and him but uh, where's you know kind of my skills lie so i found this fellowship um through new america which is a think tank in in washington dc and they had a fellowship called tech congress it was a little incubation so they bring in people with high technical abilities and um human uh abilities so social able to um react socially with people and, and relate um to people so they say you you're our top top pick out of 400. Um, come on, uh, come on to D, come on over to DC, and uh, and work. Come so, to the swamp. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I uh, I interviewed with a bunch of offices, personal offices, and committee offices, and I ended up picking the Energy and Commerce Committee uh, at the House of Representatives. And I I'm a Republican, so I have that that leaning. 
Um, but I did uh, interview with Democratic offices to kind of get their, their viewpoint. They just, you know, their culture didn't really click with me. And, and I go, OK. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I went over to a Republican committee and um, we, we worked in the minority. So I had to learn um, how to work when you know you uh, work when you know you're going to fail. And uh, yeah. that's that's something we do in the SEAL teams all the time. We constantly fail and fail and uh, refine ourselves. Yeah. So um, when I worked for a year between um, the end of 2018 and the end of 2019 um, in Congress, learning uh, 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 the jurisdiction of the Energy and Commerce Committee, which has the broadest jurisdiction in the United States, um, we had uh, energy um, uh, technology and telecommunications, consumer protection um, and commerce uh, and um, health and oversight investigations. So uh, um, I came up on another crisis at the end of 2019 because the fellowship is only for a year. And I go, well, you know, where, what's, what are my skills in? And I, I just had, I, I had been eyeballing uh, a congressional run since August, but I, I sat down, I was on the bench. I had a lot of fear. What if I don't yeah. make it? What do I do? You know, what, what's my wife going to think? And uh, I, I came home um, on the 7th of December and I said, honey, I'm flying out to California to run for Duncan Underseat. So that's. Uh, and how'd she feel about that? <laughs> She's like, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, I happen to know that your wife is really proud of you because I, I heard about you from her and she is just singing your praises. So excited. I mean, I, I am uh, really encouraged because it takes courage to do what you're doing. It takes courage for people to stand up in front of, and especially when you know that there's a good chance you're going to fail. Nobody likes that. Like, you know, it's a crowd shrinker. Hey, do this. So you actually have a pretty good chance at failing. Well, a lot of people won't do it, but the only way that you'll succeed is to get out there and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. Because I would say, you know, especially for evangelicals in the United States right now, largely behind the eight ball. And we can either say, well, we give up, or we can say, all right, this is going to be an uphill climb, but we're going to start climbing. And that's what you did. You know, I got to apologize uh, for not saying this to begin with. Um, the, the reason I did run is because I wanted to reflect the character of Jesus Christ in yes. uh, the, the culture today that's that's really just disintegrating. Um, and, 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 you know, for the quote unquote freedom uh, across yeah. the U.S., you know, how people just kind of act however they want to. This culture in the United States is is disintegrating, um, and it, it takes uh, leadership or people who just you know are stubborn enough to say, "Let's try to improve it uh, to yeah. get out there and, and do that." And whether you fail or not, you know, it's going to be a learning, um, a huge learning curve, but you're going to learn something. Well, it seems to me. Uh, that we are living in a culture that is literally uh, for sure in the church and even outside the church, but absolutely where Christians are concerned, the culture dominated by fear. And uh, we're seeing it now. I mean, hello, it's playing out in the coronavirus, right? Every single day. Yep. Uh, I, I, I kind of eyeball the, the medical reports and I get my information from there instead of watching the 24 hour news cycle. Good when, idea. Yeah. When you understand marketing, you as an entrepreneur, uh, me as you know a political entrepreneur, and I understand marketing, uh, those tactics are used heavily in, in, uh, in news. And, and uh, a fear is much more, uh, it's, it's a better motivator than positivity. Yep. Yep. So, and we're scaring uh, people pretty good right now. Yeah. And there's, you know, that, that's, there's still something to be concerned about with that coronavirus because, you know, there's a lack of vaccines for that. Uh, but to eyeball it and to read medical reports takes a little bit more effort than watching and being entertained by quote unquote experts on uh, yeah. the news cycle. 
Um, yep. So I would suggest to your listeners, please go out there and read what they're saying. Uh, uh, the health officials are, are saying and watch them right. on briefings from the White House and understand that. And instead of watching what, you know, um, viral politicians are saying or. Right. You know, yeah. Experts. Interesting. You know, I, I love to have, I've grown up watching the news. My grandfather was a pastor, but we were always, he was very, very engaged civically and he took me around. I mean, I campaigned for Ronald Reagan with him and uh, he taught me the importance of civics and, and just the importance of keeping my finger on the pulse of what's happening in the culture. But this was long before CNN and the 24 hour news cycle and even Fox news and all these places. And I turned on Fox news the other day and it was like 24 hours, nonstop coronavirus. And I'm, I'm watching, you know, I went down to Costco and people are like, I mean, the toilet paper's gone, the water's gone, the bleach is gone, the hand sanitizer's gone. And they're just freaking out. Like they're stocking up in case the coronavirus puts you in your house for the next six years. It's, it's an amazing thing to watch. Yeah, um, I, I would have to say that, uh, first of all, you should have been prepared at the beginning. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, now we have to, now we, me and you, who are kind of a little bit more critical thinking, have to be prepared for uh, officials driven by fear who yep. might be um, might be mis, uh, miseducated about what's going on and who decide to make it unlawful for us to get come out of our houses because yep. they're afraid of the spread, you know, that those are the kind of things that, that are, are, it's a weird parallel, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it's happening in New York right now, right? It's just starting to happen. I noticed that the governor's quarantine, was it like a, a one mile or a two mile stretch? Yeah. And they called uh, in the national guard. Um, yeah. And, and I, I think there's a city in California that, that uh, made it unlawful for, um, large gatherings in public spaces. Uh, yeah. yeah. I was like, wow, <laughs> this is exactly Amazing. like in the California. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> <laughs> California. <laughs> California needs you. Okay, so you so I want to get back to your congressional run cuz this this is so interesting. So you basically you announced that you were running in January and here it's only March so you've not been doing this for very long. Uh and then what was that like? So how how come so late? Do you explain it to me but I know our listeners would like to know. Why why did you say I'm going to run uh essentially register to run in December and then announce it in January when the primaries are coming up in March? How did you get to that determination? Well, so you got to set up your website. You got to set up. Um, you got to set up uh, certain things to, for um, people to come look at you and uh, uh, generate content. And I, you know, I can't announce without a website. I can't announce right. send somebody uh, to there. So it took me twenty, you know, a good twenty days to work on it. So during Christmas, I'm there working on my website. I'm there building the funnels, everything, so that when I do announce, people can be interested. So, right. um, so that everything you see on my website and all that, I was, you know, spending it away for my, my kids and wife during the Christmas break, um, just getting ready for it. Now, uh, it's my fault for, for not trusting God, for him putting it on my heart to get out there when there's an ethical issue with Duncan Hunter. I don't want to get into that. He's already, you know, he's already got enough problems and, you know, I don't, he don't need to kick a dead horse. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but it was my fault for sitting there saying there's an opportunity here and people are saying, no, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Instead of, you know, trusting in God and going for it, but I still went for it. And it took a bit uh, of time for me to, to start up um, all my business operations, learn how to file, read everything. So I did everything myself and I have to move out of my house. Uh, <laughs> I have to move my whole that house. That doesn't sound like a good Christmas vacation. That sounds more like a Chevy Chase vacation. <laughs> You got it, you know, and we were just faithful. Like we just had, we just had to go for it. So, 
you know, I got on the ground with about 30 days left here in the district. And, uh, um, I, we, we, we reached out to as many people as we can. We got, um, some interviews. It was great. Um, and we pulled about 3000 voters, you know, it's not, not enough, but we, Hold 3,000 voters in 30 days with absolutely no name recognition. And this is your own money. People need to understand when somebody like you like you gets off the bench on the battlefield, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you financially. It's going to – were people uh, – was everybody just really kind to you? How'd that go? Yeah. Um, so uh, so when it comes to raising money, um, I only had a limited bandwidth to raise money. Uh, and mm-hmm. when you go against uh, high-profile uh, betters like Daryl Issa, Carl DeMaio – um, the political action committees aren't, you know, there may be a couple that support you, but most people are going to go, you know, I, I don't know if you're going to be you know, supportable because you know, it looks like you're going to lose and, and they kind of mm-hmm. you know, go off of numbers when they look at you. So you gotta, mm-hmm. you know, be stubborn enough to go out there and do it on your own. Now I had friends and family that, that, uh, we raised enough for me to go out and get signs, but that's about it. Um, yeah. most of it was, was our own money that we put into yeah. it. Well, and I'm so I, I want I'm going to link back to uh, to you at the show notes today. I want to talk about a couple of the issues that you ran on uh, because these are not popular issues. And yet I do believe that we're starting to see it uh, a turnaround. It's a slow. It's like a big ship. we got to turn it around. Right. So you started, which I'm so encouraged by uh, at the top of the list of issues with the sanctity of human life and human trafficking. Why is that at the top of your list? So I, you know, they, everybody's like, you got to break it down. They told me, you know, you're going to lose a couple IQ points when you run for Congress. Um, and and I was working on so many issues on the Hill that I did. I, I had to mm-hmm. I had to break down to simple uh, issues. But the most important issue, and it, it comes in, and you can you can uh, go off of this as a foundation, is the sanctity of life. And I go, you know, I did a, crit- a lot of critical thinking on my um, six days of driving across the country. All by myself, um, the kids and uh, Lindsay were in the van, but I listened to the fruit of the spirit and the most mm. important attribute is love. So when we love life, our communities become safer, our families become stronger. Um, and, you know, we are looking after our parents and instead of relying on social security programs, it should be the church, the church and faith-based community and families looking after um, their own. And, uh, and then, you know, when it comes to the second amendment is protecting your family, protecting your communities, uh, not allowing drugs, letting law enforcement do their job. Um, and so that, that's, you know, that's the, the basis. And yeah. when, when we are valuing life, um, that's where, devaluing life has, has kind of taken our country down a spiral. Yeah, no, it's totally right. And we see that, we see that, uh, cross culturally now. And you, so you've, uh, you've basically ran in the primary and as you said, at this point, at the, at the point of this recording, uh, you think you're pretty far behind, not enough, not enough votes to, uh, to get into the general, correct? Yeah, we're, we're, that's what, that's what it seems like, you know, and they're still counting ballots. So you never know. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, talk to the talk to people who are listening right now who uh, they see because if any of us of our eyes are open, we can see, oh my word, we're in trouble. Like uh, godly people have really largely gotten out of politics. I mean, we're not into we're not in politics anymore because you know we don't do that stuff, but we should. And uh, I'm wondering if you can address the people who are listening who are going, you know what? I just I would do it, but I'm probably going to lose. What have you learned? Uh, just from running in the primaries, and has it deterred you from wanting to to uh, to continue to run again? 
No, so I got uh, uh, one of the uh, candidates um, at, at the, it was a socialist forum, but uh, one of the candidates attacked me for my faith and, and was talking about the separation between uh, church and state. And uh, there's a little bit of uh, an issue with that view of separation of church and state. The governance model of a theocracy is what uh, what what is the issue, right? One right. government under one ruler, right? And um, the that was back to going back to the Pope as a ruler. That's why we wanted a separation of church and state, right? That does not mean that there's a separation of your Christian values. That's it's right. bringing the government. You bring those values because it's it's a high standard of morality and, and ethics. And uh, those are the, the attributes you need to bring into. Now, I'm not going to weaponize uh, God and say that he's, you know, that this is the way I feel he's calling me and he's going to, you know, make sure that I win. I don't actually know that. I'm just stepping out on faith, right? But right. I, I think that people have that misconception that you, you can't bring your faith to work. Can't bring it into politics. That, that is absolutely untrue. Everybody's got faith in something. So when you when you decided then to run and realizing, you know, there's a this is going to be an uphill battle. What do you say to the person who's looking around their community right now and they're like, I just don't know if it's even worth it. Is it? Do you think it's worth it? <laughs> if you're gonna, you know, if if you're thinking you need to run, run because you may not. You know, you may not succeed this time, but you keep running and it's about name recognition as well. So get your name out there and go for it. Uh, and it does not matter if you fall flat on your face, it does not matter how hard you're attacked. It matters that you're faithful to what you're called to do. Yeah, I love that you said right before we went, uh, started recording, you said you're you're not wanting to crawl into heaven. <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> I, I don't want, you know, I don't want the, the smell of smoke on on, uh, on my robe at all. I, <laughs> <laughs> I want to be jumping and running into heaven with, uh, you know, just basically burn out, burn yeah. out, uh, and giving everything I got in this life to, to, um, to give to Christ and, and bringing as many people as I can with me to heaven. Well, and it really is. Uh, and I, I know that you can speak to this because you've been out there. I mean, hello, you're, uh, you worked as a fellow in, in Congress and basically your job there, as I understand it, was to educate the congressional members on the issues that you were uh, well-versed in and understood. So you're very familiar now with what we're up against, I would imagine, very familiar with the the fact that the battle is real and people need to see it that way, especially God's people, to see this really is. I mean, when the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 6 that the battle we're fighting is a spiritual battle, I imagine that you've seen that now on a whole new level, yeah? Yeah, and it's so it's not that uh, people are against the Christian faith. It's that they're confused and open to everything. Right. Mm. They just do not understand it. And, and when I talked about, I've talked about God, I, you know, I got a lot of, of people who just turned off and just didn't want, you know, just wanted to ignore me. Right. Um, and that's, that's persecution in itself. But, but most of the time people are just kind of just open and they don't understand. And, you know, your faith might scare people, but uh, that doesn't mean you shouldn't be aggressive with your faith at all. Right. And once you get out there, and you start to talk to people and you begin to build relationships. At least this is what I've noticed in my life. You know, I've been uh, out on the public, you know, in the public eye for a long time, taking a huge amount of heat in different uh, different aspects of my life, sometimes because I went on the Glenn Beck television show. And boy, that was that was amazing. And then you come home and you realize uh, you're absolutely right. People don't understand. But the Bible teaches us that without the Holy Spirit, uh, we're dealing with darkened minds. And so 
this is something we should expect when we get out onto the battlefield. And yet you can stand with confidence and boldness because of who you are in Christ. And at the beginning, you were talking about where you find your identity. And I think as believers, maybe we we wouldn't be so fearful if we remembered who we are and that this world is a stuff. We're just passing through. Right. And so I love, I love that you said you don't want to, you know, limp into heaven. You want, I figure we're going to get there. Probably Nate, I think you and I are going to get there in a similar fashion. I figure I'm going to get there and, and the Lord's going to say, good job, Heidi. You, you look a little bad. You, <laughs> you look like you've been through the ringer, but good job. You know, you yeah. didn't quit. You didn't give up. And it, it kind of feels that way, doesn't it? Well, you know, and in, in we have to be careful of, of works, right. And, and, um, elevating our works above others. But, uh, we just want we we want to reach out um, to as many people as we can, and uh, of course, you know, those that that uh, tend to you know go out there aggressively are just on fire for Christ. Like you know, that's that's great. But we aren't after um, we aren't after the uh, the the uh, treasures of this world at all. We just right. want to serve Christ. Um, uh, so we do need to be careful of how you know how we elevate the works here earthly. And be focused on, you know, the kingly um, works or the kingdom works. Right. Yeah, no, that's true. And I think at the same time as we're looking at what God's asked us to do, there's a certain amount. I know that for me, there's a there's a certain amount of joy in it, you know, even on the days that are really difficult, even on days when people are just like, why would you do that? Why would you say that? I had a guy call me uh, on a live radio uh, broadcast not that long ago, and he was like, I just cannot believe that you that you believe that marriage is between a man and a woman because of a book because of you know because of the bible and it gave me the opportunity he said that's so weird and i said i actually believe weirder things than that i believe that that a, a snake spoke to a woman in a garden you know yeah. i mean uh, the bible informs my worldview and it also tells me that i am to love my neighbor as I love myself. And part of how we love our neighbor is to actually get involved in what's happening. That's why I think Christians should be involved in what's happening in the public schools. And we should care about it because these, these kids are our neighbors and they're the, they're the leaders of tomorrow. So I think that when uh, we become apathetic, so I worked uh, Hurricane Harvey um, in Texas in 2017, and I'm not doing this to promote myself at all, but I, I noticed that when um, people became apathetic in a disaster zone that, that things became much worse. But, you know, we wanted to pour our heart mm-hmm. out there and help, uh, help people. And we're currently in that, that um, arena right now where people are apathetic to what's happening. Now, that can be a cause from, by a mul- multitude of things. But uh, we're apathetic to our government. We're apathetic to, uh, you know, a lot of crime and, and different sin that's going on in the world. And we need to b- become absolutely on fire to try to fix these issues. So I want to go back to what you just said a second, because I wrote it down. So good. You should run on this next time, Nate. I'm going to help you out. Uh, I love that you said we want to move away from apathy in a disaster zone. And I think this is something I talk about all the time here at the show. I think one of the reasons why we see what is perceived apathy, yes, some of it definitely is apathy. Some of it definitely is indifference. But more often than not, when I meet uh, people who are, and we talk about these issues, it's less about apathy and more about just feeling overwhelmed and not knowing where to start. It's like when I go into my, you know, as a homeschool mom, I go into the schoolroom. Well, most of my kids are grown, but when I would go into the schoolroom and their books would be everywhere and they, you know, and the kids are on the floor and this stuff's not being done, I can feel so overwhelmed that I don't 
know where to start. And it'd be a lot easier for me just to close the door and back out of the schoolroom and go do something different, right? Yep. Uh, because we feel overwhelmed. And I feel like that's where Christians are today, just feeling overwhelmed. Like we look at comprehensive sex education uh, in the schools, which I announced here at the podcast, we lost our, our battle over that uh, last Tuesday. It was a devastating loss absolutely devastating loss. We lost at two in the morning when the legislators got together and voted on this thing in the middle of the night. We knew it was an uphill battle and yet we we gave it everything we had and then we lost anyway. And I hear the echo of parents saying, see, why did I bother? Why did I get up at three in the morning and drive to Olympia? Why have I you know, spent all this time going to talk to my legislators when they were against me from the beginning and they were just going to vote against us anyway? And so it's less apathy and it's more just overwhelmed and just feeling like I can't do anything. So I should just give up. How, can you talk to those parents right now who feel that way? Okay. So I'll talk to you from, you know, from my five, five tries through buds, right? I, you know, the buds is not uh, at all um, something that you want to do long-term. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's right. not at all. And, and, but, but I wanted, I wanted it really bad. I felt this is what God's calling me to do. And so I got to fight for it. So I failed and I failed and I failed and I failed and I finally got through and I finally, I finally succeeded. And and I went through some very intense emotions uh, and and intense situations to get, get through that. But God enabled me to do that. And for the the Christians out there who, you know, are losing hope or or just, you know, overwhelmed, go back to the fruit of the spirit and, and go back to the wisdom of Solomon. And go go back to your Bible and, and outline, and 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 come back to the basics, you know, and, and go back to the basics, and then go out and try to conquer um, whatever it is you're you're trying to uh, um, you're trying to, to conquer. Yeah, and I love that. Uh, I love the Apostle Paul and his sort of mentoring of Timothy. Remember, at one point he said, "Timothy." I mean, this is sort of obviously this is my rendition. I'm sure it didn't go down this way, but he was just like, you know, Timothy, dude, what's up with you, man? Uh, you know, don't let people look down on you because you're young. Don't let people look down on you because you you lack experience. And another time he said, you know, Timothy, come on, man, buck up. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. And this was. Paul reminding Timothy, who was surrounded by a culture in in a moral and spiritual decline at the time, to say, hey, there's more than this. You are who God says you are. And there's something I love that you that you're reminding parents, Nate, to not give up, to go back to what we know is true. And we then when it's frustrating and overwhelming, we believe in the dark what we learn in the light. When the Lord illuminates our hearts and we understand the difference between right and wrong, and we understand the uh, the value of making of, of electing wise leaders. I mean, the Bible teaches us that when wicked people are in power, the people groan. And mm-hmm. oh my goodness, the nation is groaning yep. right now. We are struggling right now. And I love that you're reminding people. I mean, what I'm hearing from you is, listen, remember who you are, and we are who God says we are. We're not defined by the culture. Yeah, and you know, I'm not. I'm not completely like I. I'm not. Uh, uh, I'm. I'm not faultless, right? Like I said, you know, I'm. What? Looking- I'm gonna call Lindsay. She's gonna tell me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'm looking at the numbers and going like, God, why am I failing when you told me to do this? Right? I'm a little mad at you right now. I'm a little yeah. this and that. I kind of want to give up. There's a lot of times where I, I was sitting there, just you know, just in the middle of nowhere hard for me to put the signs down because I felt so embarrassed that I'm out here putting signs, putting signs out, but I'm just faithful to God, whether I feel it or not. It's not about feelings. It's about what God told you to do. You know, feelings are are deceptive. 
It's about what you know and what your faith is telling you to do. And you got to do it, uh, whether you feel like you're failing or not. And I look at the numbers right now. There's 3,000 voters in 30 days. It's amazing. It is amazing. Uh, that I got. And uh, and I only spent almost one dollar per voter. Uh, yeah. And it's great. And um, and you got to have the faith. You got to you kind of keep going what you know, what you know to do, what God told you to do. You got to keep doing it no matter how you feel. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I love that you I love that you're uh, having that perspective. You know, a lot of people see they've been watching, you know, the Homeschool Resource Center that Jay and I started here about two and a half years ago uh, after a wonderful area businessman donated a massive building to what we were trying to do to help basically public school refugees get their kids out of out of government schools and look for a better way. And a lot of people look at that and go, yeah, but I don't have that. But what they don't see are the 15 years of prayer that went into the moment when that building was given to us. What they don't see are the tears that we cried and the failures that we experienced and the financial difficulties and having, you know, seven babies through all of those years while we were trying to do this thing. Uh, Typically, when we end up doing what God wants us to do, it's through failure and after failure, not before it, right? Yes. And there's way, there's way more to be learned through failure. You know, Uh, there, there's so much and through hard labor, is where you learn the most and you get the most done. And you yeah. have more joy during those times than you do during, you know, just comfortable success. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, uh, Nate Wilkins, you are an inspiration. I thank you for what you're doing. And I hope you'll keep me posted because uh, after this is, you know, when all the dust settles, I love uh, I love Eugene Peterson's, you know, uh, 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 interpretation of the verse who says, when it's all over but the, but the shouting, you know, we'll still be on our feet. And I know that God's going to do good things uh, with you and with Lindsay. And I cannot wait to see what the next run looks like. And let me know ahead of time because I love to get out ahead of the noise and uh, cheerlead for you as much as I can. Thank you, Heidi. Appreciate it. For more information about Nate Wilkins, uh, I will link back to him at natewilkins.org and you can find out what he's doing. And if you're interested in getting off the bench and onto the battlefield, this is a guy you guys want to follow. So I hope you'll stay in touch. For those of you who are in Southern California, I will be at Godspeak Calvary Chapel starting this evening. I'm telling you what, you guys, the whole weekend is devoted to helping you get off the bench and onto the battlefield. I hope you'll join me and you can register at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash events. Have a great weekend everybody, and I'll see you back here on Monday. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.